Welcome to Check the Program, a podcast by four sometimes arts journalists who saw a desperate need for arts coverage and decided to do something about it. I am Sarah Petrescu. I'm Melanie Trump-Hoover. I'm John Threlfall. And I'm Amanda Farrell-Lowe, and today we're going to be uh, doing a little review of Billy Bishop Goes to War, uh, talking about the CRD Feed the Arts program that's coming up this week, and then doing a little preview of what is looking to be a very busy November. And before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge that Victoria occupies the traditional territories of the Kwangan-speaking and Coast Salish peoples, including what is now known as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. As settler people, we have the privilege to live, work, and create on these lands, and much of the art we're discussing today has also been created and performed here. Great, so let's get started. So, uh, yeah, we were slackers this past couple of weeks. <laughs> Didn't get out too much, even though it was a pretty busy uh, late October, theater-wise. Sometimes you just get burnt out, I guess. Yeah. Well, and a lot of remounts, too. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. we've seen Rocky Horror. You know, it's been done, what, yeah. three years now? Four I think years, so. Yeah. Like yeah. So, um, I went, speaking of remounts, I went to Billy Bishop Goes to War, which is at uh, Blue Bridge Repertory Theatre right now. Uh, I'll say up front that I have a bit of a bias when it comes to this show. Uh, I've seen it probably seven, eight different casts over the years. I saw the original cast mounting of it back in 1978. It was one of my first forays into live theater and I'll admit that it's one of the shows that made me passionate about theater. So I really have a soft spot, soft spot for it in my heart. Um, this production of it, uh, Bluebridge's produ production of it, it's, it's a very good production of it. It's not the best production of it I've ever seen and it's not the worst production of it I've ever seen, but it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, R.J. Peters and Gabriel uh, McDonald uh, take on multiple roles. Uh, for people who don't know it, is there anyone left who doesn't know this show? <laughs> Story of uh, Billy Bishop, Canada's uh, most famous flying ace, World War One flying ace, and you go through his uh, military career from being a college student, military college student, up to becoming the legend that we know him as today. Um, I think the most important thing about this show is that it was one of the very early multi-character shows. It was in 1978 this came out. This was long before Wingfield. It was long before, you know, in these days, the idea of a solo show with multiple characters is pretty commonplace. Mm -hmm. This was pretty groundbreaking at the time. That's interesting. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's something to keep in mind. And certainly as a Canadian show, it's been, uh, I would say, arguably, next to Anne Green Gables, the most successful Canadian production ever. It's toured all over the world. It's been on Broadway. It's gone and on. So it's got big shoes to fill. Let's just say that up front. Mm -hmm. um, it is a good production of it. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily ready for opening night. It seemed pretty hurried, pretty rushed. Uh, quite a few line stumbles by R.J. Peters opening night. Uh, a few pauses in the show where I was like, ah! <laughs> but then he pulled it out just like Billy Bishop. He pulled out of a dive and <laughs> got back into it right away. So uh, good set. I like the set a lot by Hans Sefkow. Uh, very clever use of suspended windows with projections in it. Um, could have been used more. I think one of the things with Billy Bishop that has been lost in translation uh, is that a lot of the things they're talking about in 1978 might have been more common than they are today. Do people today know German World War One aircraft by name when yeah. somebody's talking about an albatross? Right. Do they know that's a specific type of fighter? When someone's talking about a Lewis gun, can they bring to mind what that is? In 78, they might have, when I took my 13-year-old son last week, he had no clue. He was like, albatross, like the bird? You know, mm. so they could have used the projections a bit more, shown us like, no, I'm not talking about dogfights, but actually just shown us some aircraft or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I do wonder that about that show, like how it changes as there are less people who are even, yeah, like, well, yeah. obviously no one 
from World War One is around. No, anymore, no, but, but it, it is often mounted yeah. around Remembrance Day, and its meaning has changed over the years since it was first mounted. Uh, now, you know, it's not the idea of aggrandizing the war, the Great War. It's more about Canada's role in it, and it uh, certainly when the original cast remounted it twenty years on, um, they put a framing device in place that isn't used in this production that kind of uh, gave it a different tone. So yeah, it's a curious piece. Uh, it's still a very good piece, and I still enjoy seeing it as well. Uh, I'll say up front a couple of the things that kind of bugged me about it were some of the directorial choices. They used us, you know, those old radio stand-up microphones. Mm -hmm. They used one of those as a principal prop where he was flying the plane and he's using it sort of like leaning around like a stick of a plane, which I kind of get, but it's a microphone and it's up in his face and he's using the microphone like for airplane sound effects, but he's also mic'd with a standard musical theater, you know, little head, head mic. So that was kind of weird. And instead of using on the cover of the program, uh, there's a picture of Billy Bishop with a little model airplane, a biplane, which was on set, which he picked up at the very top of the show. But instead of using that prop plane, which other productions have done, not that he had to do it, um, the dog fights were represented by, you know, those emergency trouble lights you hang on your car when your car breaks down, they've got the little hood on it and the light bulb inside it and the long cord. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was using that to represent the other planes, so he would at times be spinning it around by the cord with the light on, so it's this sort of strobe light effect, and then other times holding it up above his head, kind of flying this light bulb around the stage. It was a very strange choice. I don't know why I just didn't use the little airplane. Um, and the set, while very nice, I think they could have used the set more rather than just having to set decoration. They could have just used it a little bit more. And uh, if you want to get really picky, the position of the pianist I found very odd. We only ever saw, unless he stood up and turned and faced the audience, we only ever saw the pianist from one side, which I think really isolated him from the audience. And then they used this weird little doll in the to represent one of the characters instead of having the pianist be that character they brought out this little doll to be a butler and kind of walked it along the top of the piano <laughs> like how big of a doll are we talking we're talking about like maybe a foot tall maybe maybe so like, like chucky not yeah, i was gonna say how <laughs> creepy he looked like the monopoly man actually <laughs> without a hat on and he kind of walked out doo -doo 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 -doo, and delivered the lines by holding it like this and saying the line and it was really a strange choice so there was just some directorial choices uh jacob richard did that i wasn't entirely sold on um, but it's still a very good show, for the most part. The audience in it, kind of, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> is that annoying? That is annoying. I'm squishing a bag of chips. You know what? Somebody in the audience behind me at Billy Bishop was doing exactly the same thing. And it drives me crazy. See, we're really good at sound effects, too. Just <laughs> artist An excellent here. direction there. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I like about the Belfry is that they sell their candy in crinkle-proof plastic. Mm -hmm. So when people are opening it, you don't hear it. But this kind of thing... But, okay, that wasn't something they bought at a concession at no, Blue Bridge. No. Somebody, 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 it, yeah. somebody went to the mm -hmm. Max next door and brought in... Totally. Is it because their popcorn machine is still broken? Is that why people have to bring B yes, BYO they've, snacks? They've raised 3500 of the $10,000 they need to fix their popcorn machine. So this is a good reason to donate to the <laughs> popcorn <laughs> machine. So we don't have to hear oh, this. But does this bug anybody else? Like this kind of thing drives me crazy. Yeah. Because the people on stage are right there. They can hear it too. If it's quick and once, I'll deal with it. But it's that slow, methodical unwrapping when people are trying to be quiet. Yes. Where it just drags on mm -hmm. for 30 seconds of a candy unwrapping. That's when it really grates it's on It's funny because you, you eat during an entire movie. Like, everyone's just mm -hmm. munching away mm -hmm. during an entire movie. But in a play, 
in theater, like, no, it's such a faux pas. Like, because mm-hmm. the sound is different, right? Yeah. Well, I just, as we, it, it kind of brings up that debate, like, we're trying to maybe make the theater more welcoming mm-hmm. to people uh, with introductions of relaxed performances, maybe just kind of taking that, like, air of like these unwritten rules uh well i guess they usually announce them at the beginning of the show they do and they do say like some theaters langford is very good about saying open your critically candies now yeah you know which i think is always great uh maybe theaters could start giving out empty paper cups or something like that and then when you're turning off your cell phone you can crack open your bag dump it in the cup and then i do think that the belfry it's like harm reduction for theater (laughs) people are going to eat Yep. How can we let them eat in a way that just makes it an easier experience yeah. for everyone? Yeah. Because you don't really want to be that jerk opening your candy. I don't mind if people bring soft cookies wrapped in yeah. a tissue or a napkin <laughs> or something like that. Some banana bread is very good. It's very quiet. <laughs> Please check out our Facebook for John's list. <laughs> acceptable <laughs> snacks. Gummy bears. Are really really we'll, do like, we'll do a uh, check the program bake sale fundraiser. It'll On all be a Every program, program should come with the guidelines to make a paper airplane. So that in the case of like someone's phone beeping or being on their phone or eating large candy, you can just throw a paper airplane oh, at their head. See, that's good. They used that in Billy Bishop. They had and him writing like, letters to his wife and they threw them off the stage as paper airplanes. But does a paper airplane, I don't know about you, does it ever go where you want it to go when you make one? Get no line. Get no line. Yeah, I'm terrible at it. Oh, it's true. Uh, Billy Bishop runs November 4th at Bluebridge. I would say in wrapping it up, if you've never seen it before, it's a great show. It's totally worth seeing. Um, if you have seen it before, you know, it's a, it's good to go and revive your memories. What did uh, your son think of it? He really enjoyed it, you know, which is great because I was 13 when I first saw it and he was 13 when he saw this version and, uh, he was up on his feet with the rest of the crowd at the end, giving it a standing, you know, standing, oh, and, uh, looking at me saying, well, how come you're not standing up? And I'm like, I'm taking notes, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he really enjoyed it. So the show still has the same kind of power. Yeah, that's cool. It is cool. Yeah, do wonder about that with some of these shows that have just been around for a while. What a 13-year-old would think of them. So, great. Uh, Yeah, we we didn't really get out to see much else. Um, I can quickly mention uh, the AGGBs. I knew, I I wouldn't really call it an exhibit. It's more like an exploration of and looking for ideas on their expansion project. It's called Brainstorm. It's on now. I think just kind of as a bridging thing between when they're, you know, going to hopefully be starting uh, their renos. Um, yeah, there's not much there. There's a lot of interactive pieces. I imagine, you know, like places where you can draw on an iPad or write down ideas or design a logo. And there's some videos of interviews with various people in the community. Uh, my two and a half year old loved the big block pit of uh it's just like bricks and blocks that you can like build cool stuff but mm-hmm. the kids just ran around um the most interesting part of it is actually there's a timeline there that's kind of gives you the history of the art gallery and just reading about how many times they have gotten at least part way down the road to a new gallery mm-hmm. space sure. uh or a downtown location uh it was like since 1983 it, it's been yeah. hmm. so many times like Almost, I'd say, 10 times where they've had these and like false starts where things just didn't end up happening for whatever reason or the other. So, and is that the desire still as a downtown location? No, I think they're uh, the uh, renderings of the uh, 
redesign that uh, they have there all in the current location. Okay. So uh, I, it looks like, yeah, and they look pretty cool. So I would say, you know, it's it's worth checking out and taking a look at the ideas for the new gallery, the the drawings of it. If you have a thought that you want to share, there's some facilitated sessions going on on the weekends. So I bet those would be interesting. It's really but, cool to be yeah. like crowdsourcing it with the community that way because I assume despite all these false starts, that's maybe new. That I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember in the past, mostly they presented, you know, new possibility of gallery. I think it was crystal court. Mm -hmm. Hotel, yeah. That, that one was mentioned for sure. You know, uh, things like that where they put the drawings for and everyone gets all excited and then it falls apart. Mm -hmm. So, but the, I think the idea of inviting the public in and saying, this is what we've got going on. What do you think? That seems, this seems fresh. like, like it's, pretty likely to happen they've secured some funding i believe right mm -hmm. and uh it seems like it's it's gonna going ahead mm -hmm. so uh yeah it'll be nice to see some improvements made to that to our mm -hmm. city's gallery yeah like everybody else i'm just be happy when it gets started because mm -hmm. they were supposed to be yeah. starting at the end of the, the fall run uh and now i guess they've hit a snag of some kind yeah i don't know i know that like a couple of the gallery spaces are closed i think they're just kind of sh shutting things down and i'm not sure yeah i imagine getting any work done in the city right now mm -hmm. is difficult mm -hmm. sure like there's just no people around to do construction and yeah. design work so. they've opened up that little pop-up shop down on the 800 block of fort street mm -hmm. right now as well mm -hmm. so i guess I that's think some programming is moving to the library yeah. Can't say enough great things about their art classes, though. Rosa and, my, and I, my two-and-a-half-year-old, go uh, on Friday mornings. Oh, cool. They're an hour long, and they're really great, and they'll be continuing into the winter. So uh, they're called Early Art Explorers. If you want to do something really cool with your toddler, it's yeah. aimed at two- to three-year-olds. And the family Sundays are awesome, too. Yeah, There's sure. always some sort of family event oh. themed towards the latest exhibit, and it's they've been really great. Yeah. No, no, I mean, you can't argue when it comes to the community programming. I think they always do a great job, you know, mm -hmm. their evening, the hipster hours when they have those <laughs> the on. Uh, Urbanite. Yeah, Urbanite. Urbanite. They're not called Urbanite. Without judgment. Without judgment. It's called Urbanite. But those are always very good. Yeah, yeah and they started yeah, that, yeah, too. Yeah. Like, now the museum's doing them. Yeah. Like, yeah. They definitely... Yeah. And they do such a good job. The mm -hmm. food's great. That brings yeah. out a huge, very diverse, eclectic yeah. crowd. A lot of, like... Russian for hats anytime I've been I, all seasons I'm but you know sure, but people want to experience art differently and I think that goes for all yeah. of the arts you know not everybody wants to sit in a dark and it should be social yeah exactly you know mm -hmm. I, I always enjoy doing the art opening crawl you know it used to be Thursday night a lot of the galleries would have openings you could just kind of go from one to one to one and have running conversations with people and that's that's you know that's what art should be so, John, yes, you had chatted with someone at the CRD this week. Yeah, speaking of uh, conversations with people, uh, following up on the recent Arts Champions Summit, the CRD's Arts Development Services offering the latest in their arts and culture capacity building events this week. It's called What to Measure to Tell Your Organization's Art Story. Uh, it's happening from noon to one on October 31st, and while we're not expecting people to hear this in time to attend, uh, I thought I would talk to uh, one of the CRD's people, Jen Nichols, the Community Outreach Coordinator for the CRD's Arts and Culture Support Service, about what they're doing and uh, what the inspiration for this session was. The inspiration for this session came from the nonprofit community. We held an event in June, the Arts Champion Summit, where we talked a lot about issues and the needs of people working in this sector. And what came up a lot was capacity building, along with audience development and marketing. And we looked at all the 
notes from the conversation and decided to create a series of information sessions. So this is the first one. It's on storytelling, and we were inspired by the arts community to go ahead and do this and offer it. So it may seem a little bit obvious in this age of social media, but I wondered why the CRD would need to have a session focusing on storytelling for arts organizations. These kinds of stories are really about showing the impact of what arts and cultural organizations are doing in the community. So it's not so much about sort of review or reporting on the events themselves. It's what these events are bringing to the region. So Jen was saying that it's not so much about talking about funding reports or the kind of information you'd get at an organization's AGMs. Uh, they're actually talking about really storytelling. We have a lot of great data, quantitative data, on things like how many people attend events and how much money that it brings to the sector. We know that over 700,000 attendees went to arts and cultural events last year, and we know that for every dollar we invest in arts and culture, over $10 comes back to us. But that really doesn't capture the whole story. That's really this instrumental view of the benefit of arts and culture in our communities. Stories are great at capturing our hearts, and I think we all know that. Uh, more than just stories, however, this session will also offer some practical tools and the accumulated knowledge of their guests. So what we're going to do is present a storytelling template. That's what the CRD has provided to make it easy, a cheat sheet of what happened and what does this mean and what, so what. But what we also are offering um, is some time with some real leaders in the field. Sean Guest from Intrepid Theatre, he's their marketing director and the curator of Outstages, will share how he's sharing stories on social media. So it doesn't have to be a long-form story. It could be something as simple as an image and a quote and a caption. And Ellen Manning, who's the marketing director from the Art Gallery of Greater Victoria, is also joining us. And she edits their e-magazine. And that's a wonderful source of a lot of community stories. So she'll talk about her approach to doing that. There's, there's no really right answer or formula. There's a lot of different ways of showing impact and different formats. We're creating a space to talk about that. It's a tool that can be adapted. It's flexible. But we also know on a practical level that these organizations don't have a lot of capacity and they are reporting to their boards, they're reporting to funders, and they want to just let people in the community know what's going on and what they're doing. So this is one practical way of doing that. So while this week's session is open to any arts organizations, they are limiting attendance to just 10 groups uh, just so they can have more of a conversation with their attendees. Uh, but in an age of dwindling media coverage, uh, the question I suppose is where can arts organizations put these art stories to work? Dissemination of these stories is really important. I think social media is playing a, a big part in that right now. Check the Program's a wonderful podcast for sharing our stories, and I think we need more outlets. We post our stories on our website and through Facebook and a variety of social media channels. It's very compelling to hear more than just event promotion. I think people want to know what you know what's going on backstage and who else is participating. We, we, we can tell stories about your volunteers, your audiences, as well as the actors and people producing the event. Uh, so the other session they have planned for this week uh, is the Arts and Social Innovation Information Session on November the 1st, which is hosted by the Vancouver Foundation and the BC Arts Council. But if you want to find out what else uh, the Arts and Culture Support Service has coming up, you can follow them at 
Feed the Arts YYJ on Facebook. They're Feed the Arts in the CRD. Or Jen says you can simply email her as well, jnichols at crd.bc.ca. Thanks, John. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what future sessions they end up Yeah, offering. I think it's great that they are doing these rather than just have these summits and have these sort of uh, feedback sessions. They seem to actually be uh, wanting to activate that information and uh, provide the local arts community with some tools they can use, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, like, you do these summits and then, you know, nothing happens. Yeah, well, which I think <laughs> in the past has been the complaint about them. So I'm glad they're moving forward. So um, what's coming up? What are we all seeing? I think most of us going to mustard. We're this all week. going to mustard. Yeah, the Belfry opens. Yeah, November first. Has anyone seen or heard much about this show? I know nothing about it. At no. All. Yeah, I, I feel ahead. like the whole season of Belfry, this upcoming season, is like stuff that's I haven't heard of, and I'm kind of excited about it. This is a straight up comedy, though, right? Compared yeah. to Dolls Are Sport Two. Yeah, exactly. So it's about a young girl named Ty who has an imaginary friend. And uh, he looks very clownish, named Mustard. So, seems fun and should be interesting. But what I found kind of interesting about how they're presenting it is they're doing, and I, they do this for other shows, but they're doing one um, live description show for people with vision issues. And uh, there's childcare, which is great too. I haven't used it, but. Six more months and I can use it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it three? Is <laughs> it start has at to be three? three? Yeah. 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 Um, I yeah. will fully be taking advantage of it. I, I, I have that thing where, you know, you feel like to use these kind of childcare stuff at events, I actually feel sorry for the caregivers <laughs> because I'm like, my kid's going to be nuts. But I guess they're used to dealing with that. Yeah. You just got to do it, right? You just got to jump in and try it. So... Another yeah. really interesting thing about Mustard is it's from quite a young playwright, is my understanding, a young woman, Kat Sandler, and she actually won the 2016 Dora Maver Moore Award for Outstanding New Play. Um, so it's a really interesting new Canadian work, and it's a quick 90 minutes, and actually they've been, at least their first show too, no intermission, quick 90 minutes, not that kind of full-scale, two-and-a-half-hour theatrical production. Yeah, so I think that makes it more accessible for people, too. I like that. Mm. I like mixing up the, the sort of lengths and presentation of shows. Yeah. Uh, tickets are... So Charlie Ross is doing his one-man Lord of the Rings and his one-man Stranger Things in a double bill, not until December 13th, but tickets for that go on sale this week, November 1st. Mm -hmm. uh, likely it will sell out, because I don't think he's done his Stranger Things in 10 I've never new. seen it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm really excited I haven't even to heard it. about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm out of the loop. What else is coming up theater-wise uh, next? So uh, Lang is Langham Show opening next week? What's going to? Uh, Langham Court uh, opening on November 7th. Good night, Mr. Tom. Um, oh, the latest in the Intrepid's You show is coming up too, November 2nd and 3rd next weekend. Kancha by Hannah Bell. Uh, apparently it's exploring cultural appreciation through the lens of Japanese culture, specifically the history of the kimono. Mm. Yeah. And also from Intrepid next week, uh, Grim and Fisher on November 8th, but that's sold out. So sorry to, to buzz it and then disappoint mm -hmm. you because you can't get tickets. But the following night, uh, Phantom Signals. Yeah, I have my ticket. I'm excited to see For the that. first time. And so for, for Fringe lovers, that's Jason McDonald, longtime Fringe favorite, Andrew Bailey, longtime local Fringe favorite, and Tara Travis. And they're um, getting together and bringing their kind of radio noir, poltergeisty 
fun um, fun show to Victoria for the first time. And then on that Sunday is the Kevin McDonald show. So oh, with Paper yeah. Street. Yeah. Right. So Paper Street's presenting Paper Kevin Street McDonald. Meets, meets kids in the hall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there'll be uh, performances by people who are doing the two day sketch workshop oh, with great. him. So I think they'll be incorporated into his performance on Sunday. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Kaleidoscope is running their next show, uh, The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane, November 3rd and 4th. I was going to mention, uh, there's also uh, a citywide, it's called Makeshift Contemporary Textiles Festival. Yeah, that Happening cool. November 9th to the 11th. And yeah. just the idea of a citywide series of exhibits involving textiles sounds pretty fascinating. The atrium is the HQ for that. Yeah. So I think that will mm. tend to be an interesting show next weekend. So when they say citywide, like is there pop-up venues all over the place or is it an established gallery? Yeah, or? I think it's a mix of both. You know, I know the 5050 is doing something. I know some of the other local exhibits, uh, galleries or the independent galleries are doing things. And then probably some pop-ups as well. Do they have a map? There is a map. Great. Uh, yeah. Makeshift Contemporary Textiles Festival. Just Google that. And yeah, there was one that was a gallery kind of just down the road, uh, down Bay Street, that I've been meaning to check out for a long time that uh, is uh, going to be participating or just have to. I think that's the advantage of these kind of festivals like Integrate and things like that. It pushes you into spaces you keep mm -hmm. meaning to go to and perhaps never do or it takes you into new spaces that you haven't been mm -hmm. to for a long time. Visual arts, there's some interesting uh, stuff coming up. Um, has anyone gotten down to the Legacy yet to see Testify no. Indigenous Laws and the Arts? No. It looks like an amazing show and it's uh, it started, it opened at the end of September. It runs to December 22nd. Um, and a celebration of Indigenous laws is expressed through art, uh, which sounds pretty interesting. They had several events this past weekend, including an uh, bur Indigenous burlesque show that was inspired by the exhibit. Mm. So uh, I haven't made it down there yet. I do, I do. My big complaint about Legacy is their hours are not very good. So mm -hmm. it can be challenging to get there while they're open, I find. Um, the... Uh, at uh, Madrona Gallery, uh, Shubhanaya Shuna is having a solo show. She's uh, uh, an Inuit artist. Mm. Uh, they've shown uh, some of her work there before. Uh, Madrona is great for, I really love their contemporary uh, Inuit work that they mm -hmm. showcase. Mm -hmm. uh, stuff that you can't see anywhere else in town. It's yeah. really great. And I mean, Shivani, she said, you know, her stuff is in the National Gallery of Canada. You know, like she's a very yeah. prominent. Like stuff you might not even mm -hmm. see anywhere else in BC. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would. It's sort of a destination. Yeah, it's not the like really like quote unquote traditional art that you often mm -hmm. see from uh, up there. So uh, really, you know, these beautiful drawings that uh, deal with all kinds of things that are affecting communities up there. Uh, and yeah, I highly recommend checking out uh, that show. That opens on November 3rd and runs to the 17th. Their shows are really quick. They're only two weeks. So mm. yeah, uh, they're uh, downtown. Mm. Uh, the upcoming show at Deluge looks pretty cool too. Just around the corner. You could hit uh, Deluge and Madrona and Legacy all on the same day if yeah. you go on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's you could true. do a little art crawl. Yeah, yeah. 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 Who's at Deluge? Uh, Laura Dutton. It's a show called Near Nearness to or Distance From and it opens on Friday. Oh, that's your Grand Canyon show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that just, it just sounds so trippy. So she, yeah. what, she took photos of people like a kilometer away, tourists in the Grand Canyon, and then did all this manipulation and printing and stuff to create these kind of like ghostly silhouette images 
uh, it sounds fascinating, and the um, just the stills from it look really cool too. It seems to be a recurring theme in a lot of her work: the idea of the observer and the observed, and the interaction between the two. And I've seen a couple of her shows in the past, and I've always enjoyed her work. Yeah. So that's uh, coming up uh, at Deleuze. So. Excellent. Oh, it sounds like it's a good art month. Yeah, it? I would say it sounds like a yeah. Pick a Saturday in the next couple, like this Saturday or next Saturday, and yeah, just do a little art walk. I bet you'd see some really cool stuff all within what like two blocks. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The only other thing I'll throw out there is the latest in the Open Word series on November the sixth. Uh, Debi Young Anita Africa is coming in. She's a dub poet, playwright, uh, author. Uh, she opened her own theater company, Wata Theater, in Toronto. Uh, she's going to be a pretty big deal in uh, alternative Canadian voices, that's for sure. And she's doing uh, a reading and a Q&A at Open Word on the 6th. And I think uh, she'll be fantastic. Great. And, uh, oh, did you have... I was just going to ask if anyone went to see Ian Rankin when he was in town this weekend. I did not. No, no not He was at Monroe's on Sunday, and it looked like there was a lineup out the door right in the midst of the downtown Halloween oh really oh, <laughs> yeah. clash. and he, he tweeted a picture of himself uh in Victor on the ferry and then there was one of him at the Barden Banker saying I'm at a bar where Robert Service once worked drinking a beer called Fat Tug so it's <laughs> a good funny. buzz for a Vancouver Island brew yeah I think so yeah so I don't get out to too many authors' events, but um, they're always tons of fun. Yeah, Monroe's is such a treasure, especially mm -hmm. with you know chapters has gone from downtown now, so it's like all independent bookstores. Yeah, wow. Mm -hmm. And we have some uh, closing music. Well, ironically, considering what you're just saying, uh, yeah, our closing track is a song called The Times They Are A-Changing. <laughs> uh, local jazz mainstay Patrick Boyle is celebrating the release of his fourth album. It's called After Forgetting. Uh, and he's releasing it not only on digital download and CD, but also on limited edition vinyl, for those of us with turntables still. Uh, the album features Boyle on trumpet, uh, Bill Brennan on piano, Mike Downs on double bass, and Mike Billard on drums. But he's doing a release concert, interestingly enough, at the Make House up on Douglas at Burnside, a uh, local fashion fabric mm -hmm. uh, outlet, um, because uh, his wife, Jenny Ambrose, runs the Make House. So mm -hmm. he's having his release concert there, 8 p.m. Friday, November the 2nd. A uh, live concert with him, George McFetteridge on piano, and James Young on double bass. Uh, it's free to go, seating is very limited, and they're encouraging to bring a non-perishable food bank donation along with you. Uh, but yeah, we're going to go out on his track of The Times They Are A-Changing. Well, thanks to Patrick Boyle. Uh, thanks to Croatia, local band who does our theme music. So uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with, it sounds like there's lots to check out. So we'll have uh, a lot And then we'll of... actually be going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we slacked. Uh, well, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, check the program yyj at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and twitter check the program you should be able to listen to this podcast wherever the heck you like in terms of uh, podcast distrib distributors but we host on anchor.fm so until next time i'm amanda farrell i'm john thropal i'm sarah petrescu i'm melanie trump hooper don't forget check to check the, the program, program. <laughs> <laughs> you guys both went for it totally <laughs> <laughs>